guys, Evan from Jimaware. We're really happy to be supporting Coach Tomato's podcast series once again. For those that don't know, our main product is Jimaware. It's the gold standard for measuring performance and implementing velocity-based training in the weight room. It excels in busy team training environments, and for many coaches, it's the Swiss Army knife of their toolkit. The Jimaware is used for athlete profiling, jump testing, fatigue monitoring, and for listing within velocity zones. The system provides real-time feedback on individual targets, plus it's got an impressive range of leaderboards. Now, for those that are after a VBT device that's affordable, for the individual and for smaller groups, we recently released our new laser-based product, Flex. Importantly, it's been independently validated and proven to be both accurate and reliable. So if you're interested in either product, or you wanna learn more about the velocity-based training and how it can help you as a coach, Check out our website or contact us directly. So in the meantime, we trust you enjoy the Coach DeMayo's podcast, Outside the Rack. The world of strength and conditioning is filled with some fantastic practitioners that are always searching for more. But more what? What are strength and conditioning coaches searching for to better their ability to prepare their athletes? Well, what about cutting edge information? Or a place where you can find different opinions from forward-thinking coaches on what you're doing, how you're doing, and try to get feedback to be better for your athletes? Or what about a place where you'll find like-minded coaches that can provide solid coaching advice and career development for you as you progress through your career as a strength and conditioning professional? Well, this is exactly why we built the Strength Coach Network. You'll have access to exclusive monthly content on top of the sensationally active forum that we have where you can communicate with coaches all over the world to find those answers that you're looking for to help you be a better practitioner for your athletes. So make sure you hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS, that's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS, and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the 59th episode of Outside the Rack, brought to you by Kinetic Performance, the makers of Gym Aware. In this show, we're just going to try to dive a little deeper into the minds of the top practitioners in the world of sport performance to learn a little bit more about who they actually are and how they got to where they are today. Today, we are joined by the University of Washington's assistant strength and conditioning coach, Nick Higgins. Nick, thanks for being with us, brother. Of course, Jay. Thank you for having me on, man. Always good to talk shop with you. Yeah, man. Stoked to see you. Glad to see y'all are back. Glad to see things are good out there on the left coast, man. I know there's a lot of crazy going on out there right now, but, you know, before we get too far into this, man, who is Nick? <laughs> it's funny you ask, right? We just started school, and it's like we're bringing on all these new athletes, and they don't know to call me, like, is it Coach Nick, Coach Higgins? And I say it's literally Nick because I'm pretty simple and I want to keep it, you know, pretty basic. And, and that's who we have to be, right? Like, I don't say, hey, you're a student athlete or you're a soccer player. I call him by the name. So I'm, I'm Nick. I'm a strength coach and I try to keep it real. You know, I've been here in Washington for four years now, primarily with softball, men's crew and the throwers for track and field. I've been fortunate enough to work at DePaul, Texas, uh, interned at Minnesota. And, you know, I did my undergrad at Wisconsin lacrosse. So along the way, I've met great coaches and mentors and again just fortunate to be in a field that I love and Washington and Seattle like we'll talk about has been an unreal experience um, a blessing really just being able to have these different outlets and resources so you know right down to it I'm pretty fortunate to be here 
That's awesome, man. And getting to work with crew, I'm sure is like a really fun challenge. You know, we were talking a little bit before about, you know, my love of those ergs and, and doing <laughs> all this and really had my ego demolished when you hear what these kids can hit. It's like, good grief. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't do that if you would, had every weapon on the planet pointed at me. You know, I don't know if a lot of people know, like, the, the culture of rowing in Seattle with boys in the boat and everything that's came through it, it's a huge sport here. And being from Chicago, I didn't know a ton about it. And I experienced it for, more about rowing when I was at uh, University of Texas and I assisted the women's team there. But with our men's and women's program, I think women's is now two out of the last three years for national champs. And here it's been, gosh, it's been like almost 11 or 12 years. We're point champion, either first or second in the 1B8. So we are fortunate to work some high, you know, caliber student athletes and, you know, the U23 men's national team trains here in the summer with us as well. And it's incredible. I mean, the sport is so demanding and hard. I, I tell them like, y'all don't have games. You either race or you erg and that's about it. Like what is fun for you? So we make the weight room like as best as we can. But as we were saying, you go down one of those erg sessions and you see 16, 70 guys pop, pop off sub K like, to go sub six, you know, on a 2K is unreal. And to see happen after, like, that is ridiculously hard that I don't know necessarily if everyone understands because you're just not around it enough. And, yeah, it's awesome to be around with that program. Yeah, I'll just summarize it with this. He just said they go sub six minutes in a 2K. I just hit 7.12 today and wanted to cry. So, like <laughs> – and I was proud of it until Nick tells me what these kids are doing. And I'm like, gosh, I'm terrible. And you know what? It just makes me want to get back on that thing and start rowing harder. It's a love-hate thing, isn't it, Jay? Oh, dude, it's the worst, best thing on the planet. It's, you know, Mark Magna and I talk about it a lot. It's like the dark place that you have to go in that middle third of the 2K where you're, you're literally questioning every decision you've made in your life at that point. It's like, there's something therapeutic about it. They have a, a second and third gear that they can just hit. And like I said, when you go down and watch some of these 2K races, it's, it's unreal, like the levels that they can reach. It's, like I said, it's an awesome experience to be around. That's so cool. I'm, I'm going to have to try to check that out. It's like, as humbling as that is, I, I would be so impressed. But, you know. You don't get into situations like that. You don't go from, you know, Austin to Chicago to, to Seattle without being a guy who's, who's willing to learn and willing to dig and, and trying to find answers. So I'm stoked to hear this, bro. Like what, if you wouldn't mind describing a learning situation that brought about an epiphany in your career? Yeah, honestly, it happened relatively recent. And I think it's during quarantine, right? All of us are trying to find how we can improve, whether it's in work, outside of work. And this is the second time I was reading Deep Work by Cal Newport. Have you read the book? I, I highly, Yeah, I highly encourage and recommend it. It's an awesome read. And, you know, it talks about structuring your day, making sure you're effective. And there's this part about emails, which emails can really bog down. And I kind of took a step back to think, am I effectively communicating the way that I think? And I think a lot of us are assuming these graphs that we build and these Excel forms that we do, as pretty as they are, when we hand them to coaches, we just kind of assume they know what they're 
interpreting or understanding. And sometimes the audience is more for us and than for them. And so I started looking back at all these resources that I was building to coaches. And for me, I was like, is this really as effective as it needs to be? And I think I was getting frustrated because I would send emails with, again, these graphs and these really lengthy responses. And two weeks later, I'd be answering kind of the same questions over and over. And it was on me, not them, because I had put so much information there. And I didn't just ask the first question of, what do you want to know? What do you need to read? And so for me, it was like, okay, how can I reformat and effectively communicate even emails just using bullets? I've done more now on PowerPoint and Word doc and gotten away from Excel because when identifying to a student athlete or to a coach or support staff member, it's the easiest way to try to get that information across. So like my epiphany was I, I wasn't being an effective communicator. I really looked at a lot of these research and my references and I spent a couple calls with Nick Winkleman as well. He's got the coaching language book and he kind of talks about effective communication. And as much as I was trying to think that this was so pretty and everything I've seen on Twitter and social media that I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to use that format and that graph. It wasn't getting the job done. So my big epiphany was back to simple, like effective with my emails, keep it short and sweet, effective with my dialogue with student athletes when trying to communicate, find out what's the most important thing that they really need to know and then hide everything else because it was just bogging down conversations or I was getting frustrated, but it was a personal problem for not asking the right question of how and what. And I was just assuming like, look, I will get ahead of the curve and I'm going to get defensive and I'll write this lengthy email or I'll create this multiple graphs that's going to answer all your questions. But it wasn't, it wasn't effective communication. And so I was doing a lot more work that was inefficient versus me time managing and constructing ways to effectively communicate to student athletes and support staff members. So it really was this period when all of us were just doing email and Zoom, where I was like, look, I'm not getting my message across. Let's reevaluate. And so I'm still working on it. I don't think it's 100%. But it's for me to take a step back and be like, is that what they really need to know? Or is this email, they're just going to lose sight of it and be direct. And same with like the sheets and the PowerPoints and Word docs. So for me, it was almost to like take a step back away from Excel for as much work and that I do want it. It's more for me, but it was for the wrong target audience. I dig that, man. And I've actually like kind of run into situations like that myself. So this is a big pickup. You said deep work, Cal Newport. Yeah, hundred percent. It was, he's got another book as well that I, I recommend. And my boss, uh, Todd Tukin, he was the first one to tell me about it and he's heard from others and it's a, I think it's a must read. Awesome. I've just ordered that. So I'm pretty fired up to check that out. And I think that, you know, when you're talking about communication and all of those things, I think that like, it's really funny that you bring that up because I just had a meeting with one of our senior admin about some things about that, that ended up going in that direction today. And it's like all too often what I think we miss the boat on is we try to answer questions that we want to know. We may not be the people that need to have those questions answered though. So that understanding, you know, like Nellie talked about this on the show yesterday, like meeting them where they're at and how you can use different forms to communicate with them and find these answers and ways to, to do that in this day and age is so important. And as much as we love our dashboards and our AMSs and all of those things, 
I, I'm really keen on what you're saying with that other stuff. Yeah, and I, I think it was Patrick Ward on a recent podcast was talking on a similar thing. And I want to say it was his experience or he had heard from someone else that they were creating these graphs and charts. And they ended up finding out that the audience or the person that they were handing it to was below, uh, colorblind. And so all this information really wasn't being sold across. So even it made me think of that way when I use certain terms or words do even the coaches really know or the student athletes know what I mean when I say concentric impulse when we're talking about me on the force decks or, you know, this is what we're going for. So I've even just used phrases like bounce, springy, things that they're really going to connect with. And same with, you know, keeping it short and sweet. And it's part of like Coach Nick Winkleman's cueing, but it goes the same for, I think, for effective communicating to support staff and student athletes is you have to be direct, but understand what the audience is trying to interpret and not answer questions that you want answered. But like you said, asking the appropriate questions at the right time. No doubt, man. No doubt. Speaking of questions, as a guy who's been one that's always looked for better answers, I'm stoked to hear this. If, <laughs> if Nick could ask one question and he knows he's going to get the answer, what would that question be and why? As it relates to strength and conditioning, as it relates to whatever direction you want to go in? I would say the first question is, as it relates to strength conditioning, is what do we ultimately get from transfer training? So if we had to do the takeaway and we talk about your hoops or my rowers, you know, I think it's something we all chase. And we all understand that this is global in general to a degree. But if someone could answer to say, yes, these are not maybe the three most important physical but what are the three biggest transfer to performance that we know of? I think we have metrics that we chase or that maybe we hypothesize and we feel confident in to say, if you're at this ratio of maybe a strength or mass, or if you're hitting these numbers, but we actually still are struggling to know ultimately, is it that final uh, you know, performance tra transfer? And like, that's why I think we're really striving to understand or to see. And so for me, it's, you know, we always chase this less, uh, less is more, or we want the biggest return at the least expense. But for us to ultimately understand if we had to cut our sessions down, or if we only could do three things in the weight room, like ultimately what's the biggest return on that? And so we can be direct. Like those are the questions I think we still chase. And sometimes we have all this technology and it just, as we said, it's an overload. But to say, if we had to be concise and direct, these three things have the biggest return for this sport, continue to chase that. And everything else, you know, you can kind of push aside because sometimes I wonder if we stress too much in the weight room or if what I'm doing think is correct. But it's, again, for me versus the performance, maybe having a better understanding of really what that is. I dig it. You sounded like you had another one, though, outside of training. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's funny because you'll ask this next one, too. But I think everyone chases, you know, what's this work-life balance? And so my question is to ask and continue to see from others. You know, I think as all of us go back to this new normal or the different situations that we're inheriting from COVID is, you know, what are the biggest takeaways from me from the quarantine period that's now going to stay a part of my life moving forward? You know, what ultimately are other people taking from their two to four, maybe six months away from family, friends, a little bit more self-isolation that they feel confident that they're going to bring to their new norm? And that's going to continue to improve their life. You know, that's the thing that I think I'm still searching for. Walks, honestly, has been such a game changer. And we'll talk about that, like finding trails and just taking time to unplug. You know, I've 
I try to put my phone on airplane for an hour a day and it was hard to start with, but even that has been like a great way for me to move forward. So that question I still ask is just, as I now go back to a, maybe it's a stressful situation or things that I'm you know experiencing here, always remembering what I learned through that quarantine and asking the right question of don't get angry, but get curious. And then to bring those things back into my life. I love that quote. Don't get angry, but get curious. Yeah. I, I think a lot of times we, we want to get mad at ourselves. Like, Oh, I didn't do this or I didn't do that. But asking maybe why you didn't, and maybe it wasn't the priority for the day. Maybe it wasn't important. That's okay. You're going to skip things and, you know, things are going to come along in your life. And rather than getting stressful and building it up, you know, ask the questions why maybe it wasn't a priority or we have to rearrange other things in our lives or for this matter the work day that ultimately is going to put us in a better position to succeed. And that's in all elements of life. So for me, it's being more okay with asking why than getting upset and being angry about it. I dig that, man. I dig that. I think though that you kind of let in here for number three, so I'll throw the softball if you gave me just the hint there. And it's yeah. what's Nick's escape, bro? Yeah, I don't know how many people have been actually out to Seattle because when you look on a map, it is so far. But the state of Washington is gorgeous. I mean, it has so much water and the trees. And we've been able to find so many ways to get away. And so it's the trails of Washington. It's all the different waterlands. And everything that's provided has been a great escape. And, you know, we usually take advantage of it in the summer, I feel like, because our hours are down or – you know, our work schedules change. And as I just said, it's something I want to keep bringing back into, all right, on the weekend, I don't have to wait for this whole big, long trip. It's okay just to drive out somewhere, hike and come back. So finding those escapes has been really good. So the trails, there's a lot of parks. I mean, it's a gorgeous state. So for me, like not just on top of the reading for self-growth, but getting out of the weight room or experiencing something new, because you know this, you've been fortunate to be for Richmond for how long? This is school year 17. Yeah, and I heard, you know, Deacon talked about it on his as well. I think he's been there for 13 years, but early in his career, he was hopping and always considering, do I leave? And so we don't know. And I've been here for four years, luckily, but, you know, I don't know when that opportunity is going to end or what's going to be next for me. So taking advantage while you live in that city or state and be okay with taking time off to, you know, for self-growth or just self-improvement and find those outlets. 100%, man. And I can tell you this, that's another thing that I've definitely not been the best at and have gotten better at as time has gone is, is making sure that, you know, you don't just coach there, you live there. You know what I mean? That's that's spot on. And, you know, I think I was pretty lucky for working under Donnie Mae for a couple of years. You know, he's he had it dialed in and he taught me that early on and you know, it's always kind of kept me balanced. And I think I've been fortunate to work for other bosses who get it. You know, there's the grinding era of being here for 50 or 60 hours, you know, hopefully it's kind of trending away. And if that is the case, even if you just shut off your phone or shut off the office in the weight room for an hour, so it's quiet and you can just relax, like finding those little pieces of the day, I think it's going to be super important as us kind of come back to this new norm and the hours and, everything that COVID still presents us, being able to take a step back and just deep breath. No doubt, brother. Well, Nick, truly appreciate your time, man. This is awesome stuff. Great to see you. Glad you're doing great, man. And it, as always, man, it's, it's, it's great to chop it up a bit. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, Talk man. Soon. Thank you. Cheers, man. We'll be in touch.